Welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Hello, and welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast. Today, we've got a great presentation. It's a special presentation that we that we first ran on our Fathering Together Facebook page. As you know, I work to bring you guests that will help you to look and see things in a little bit different way, but also allow for you to meet some really amazing individuals that are going to help you think about things in different ways as well. Today's webinar is definitely one of those. On the Fathering Together Facebook page, we do provide you with webinars as well as panel discussions that are going to broaden your perspective on a number of different things. And I hope that today's presentation will do just that. And those who have been successful figured things out. Some are still struggling today. So I think there's some there's some questions I think we can talk about and really just raise awareness of what things that have helped us. How have we been successful? If there's something that we're going through that would that would help other others. And um, I mean, starting first, I think what's one of the biggest factors. I think it's talking about how important is it to let go of the past. You know, how, how important is it to to just let go of what, you know, the, the trauma or or the, the, the hate or, or the anger, the resentment, the jealousy and all that other stuff that may be involved in in a tough uh, relationship after uh, divorce or after relationship. So, so. So let's talk about that. Like, you know, Doug, what what is what what is like the most important thing like to to just think about when you past a divorce, you know, what, what is the past that you need to let go? Well, I mean, for the most part, I even just, I've already forgotten the question you've asked. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I think moving forward is a, is a very important point because all you have is the now. And, and I think it's commonplace to kind of think about what went wrong and what you might've done differently. And it's actually even more common to say, man, <laughs> what, what, what could I have done if I hadn't done this at all? If I, you know, have I ruined my life because I married the wrong person? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can kind of get into a grief spiral and a and a, a woe is me type approach. But um, I mean, that's that's the growth. I think that's how you really tell yourself that there is life after divorce. I mean, I'm happy to say there's um, there is, and um, I think part of that is is um, putting the work in, I mean, if, if counseling is important and I recommend that I, yeah. went to, I went to counseling both on my own and, um, uh, with my ex when we were, uh, when we were separating and, uh, it's just really important to talk a lot of stuff through and the best way to press on to what's coming is to kind of, uh, acknowledge what's happened, talk it out and kind of, um, release as much resentment as you can so you don't spend the rest of your relationship with this person who, mm-hmm. with whom you have to raise children still and negotiate right. and coexist. If you're still seething and still resentful, then that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, definitely. And Mike, you know, has it, how has that transition been of just kind of letting go of the past? You know, have you experienced any challenges in that? Oh, I, I absolutely did. Uh, yeah, I, I've, I've been divorced now for 16 years and, um, Oh crap, you beat me. I'm only 12. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a, an award I think I will take <laughs> from, from my personal experience. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it, it, it was a very, very good thing that it happened. 
And what what you really need to to keep in mind is you're not divorced from your kids, and um, you can't change what happened uh, in the past. So these this this partner that you formerly had uh, is still their their mother, and you need to keep in mind all of your dealings with uh, with with your your ex. Um, it, it, your kids still care about this person uh, as much as they care about you, and you need to let go of the things that did happen in the past, so that you can be supportive of each other as you move forward. Uh, that is the key: move forward. As Doug said, counseling is uh, is a key. I went through it as well, and uh, it's it's definitely something that. Um, you know, would benefit, I think, a lot of people in situations that are difficult um, once you have uh, entered the second phase of of your parenting journey. Yeah, and I completely agree. I feel like just holding on to those things, it really just stops you from living your life um, in, in, your, in your new journey, um, you know, as, as a single parent or whatever it may be. So I think letting go of those things is and moving forward is one of the biggest things that'll help you just kind of accept things for what is at, at the moment. Um, yeah, great, great responses. Um, now, <clears throat> what effective methods uh, Mike have has helped you like strengthen your communication? You know, I, I understand sometimes there may be challenges here and there, um, but what has helped for you like in regards to just making communication a, b- a bit more effective in your, in your co-parenting relationship? You know, um, to be honest, in a lot of ways, uh, almost take all of the emotion completely out of the equation. Uh, because for me, um, it, it, was, uh, it, it, was, it was a very difficult time uh, immediately after the separation and the divorce. Uh, you know, can't lie, I was bitter. And there were a lot of hard feelings. And to be honest, 16 years later, uh, there are still hard feelings. Um, there's still a lot of resentment. But the the best way to approach the situations that come up is you take your emotions completely out of it and stick to whatever the situation is, whatever the the, the issue is that you have to talk about or communicate with uh stick goal is if uh, you know if it's if it's visitation if it's supportive whatever the case is but don't let your emotions take over because that's that's as soon as you let that happen it's gonna just go downhill from there for both sides yeah i i agree and and in in my situation i think um just communication it's better than what it was in the past, but it's not where I, I wish it, it would be. But, um, you know, something that I still continue to work on, sometimes I find myself, I was the bad communicator um, or vice versa. So it's, it's something that I'm continuing to to work through along with her so we can kind of build that good team, you know, that teamwork. Um, and sometimes it's a challenge and there's miscommunication at times, but you know, I try as much as possible to be effective through email, phone calls, text messages, you know, whatever works. And um, 
but sometimes, you know, I, I, I miss one or, or, or she misses one and there's something that causes a, a big situation down the road. So I just try to find any way to communicate whatever it is, email, there's paper trail. Sometimes that's needed as well, especially in, in legal situations. So um, always having that paper trails is extremely important. Um, now, Doug, I know uh, 12 years ago, um, it, you, it, it seemed like there was a, a, like some good mutual agreement uh, to the divorce and, and the afterlife of uh, after the divorce. How, how was the communication with that? Like how, how was it, how did it just start off so great or was it so great in the beginning? Oh, it was terrible at the beginning. <laughs> you know, I mean, let's, let's not sugarcoat this. I mean, I do feel very fortunate because um, as far as resentment goes, I mean, I was, I was angrier at myself than I was at her just because of how did I let my life get to where it is? Um, I think, and again, I, this is an extraordinary story, but I'm, if, if, uh, if it's something that's possible, um, I mean, uh, soon after we got divorced, so as we were separating, um, I had a dad blog at the time. I started my blog in uh, 2003 when my now 18-year-old was only uh, 15 months. And, um, and my ex-wife was a blogger too. And so as we talk about all the time, when people, people usually start blogs or create online content because they want to create the content that isn't there already. Mm -hmm. uh, and there wasn't a lot of content about how co-parenting couples coexist and how they iron out uh, issues, how they try to communicate. So we started a blog about it. We started a blog called uh, When the Flames Go Up, and we wrote mm -hmm. blogs, for, you know, he, sh he said, she said approach. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, nobody got sandbagged. Everybody, each, the other spouse saw the post, every post before it went up. So there wasn't, you know, blindsiding anybody. And I learned a lot. It lasted about a year and a half until we didn't need it anymore. Um, and we, we, we bled the wound a lot because we both knew that we were sometimes, and you can't express yourself in real time as a, as when things are just so emotionally fraught that you can't have a conversation face to face. The next best thing is to try and compose yourself and work in writing. Mm -hmm. And you can be more um, apologetic. You can be a bit more introspective. You can be a bit more, um, aware, maybe removed from something because it's very easy to heat up when you're face to face and nose to nose. Um, we had been through plenty because even though we separated in 2006, we were in the same apartment in Manhattan for 18 months because it wasn't like we had all the money in the world to try and find a couple of places that were near each other in Manhattan. So we basically retreated to opposite sides of the, um, of, of the apartment. And uh, essentially, it was like, you know, we, we would divvy up every night, like who went out and who stayed in with the kids. Um, so it was like having a live-in nanny, essentially. <laughs> uh, but during that time, we also had the chance to communicate to each other and kind of get used to what it was going to be like when we lived apart and our lives began. So um, I know that, that, that first year post-marriage was one of the most important years in my life, I think, just because it laid the groundwork. Uh, for, uh, as we, as I say, the most important thing to do for your kids after you break up is try to rebuild the floor beneath them. Yeah. And before that happened, we each had to assess each other's role as respective walls. Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Or joists. If we're going to go, yeah. <laughs> we're going to go full DIY on this. You know, I yeah. think that's, you have to assess your own ability to support your kids and then decide, before you before you make sure you do support them. 
Now, with a blog and and that type of, I guess, communication and just sharing, you know, your thoughts and feelings with with the process, would you say that that made your relationship better or or stronger? I think, well, I mean, it it wasn't, it it couldn't go much lower at the time. I mean, there's a real trauma when you meet someone and they become your best friend and then you fall Mm -hmm. in love with them and then all of a sudden they're an adversary. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a trauma that a lot of people have a tough time getting over, no matter how great your post-divorce life can be. That right. initial bam, I mean, yeah. I couldn't eat for two weeks when, I, when it became apparent it was going to happen. It was just, you know, I couldn't concentrate. I couldn't do anything. Lost all interest. And I think the way that we got past that, that we, that we figured that out was, I don't know, we found a way because we were in close quarters and we knew each other's buttons. We knew when we could recognize when somebody was suffering. And, and uh, I don't know. There was something that took hold in, the, in that year, in that year and a half we lived together. Um, and I was working as a teacher at the time. So even after I moved out, I agreed, like, I'm only moving out if I can be back in this apartment every afternoon while you're at work and I can have the kids every day. And, you know, we, we kind of rebuilt trust that way. We negotiated in good faith. It helped that there was no resentment, there was no infidelity, there was just a desire not to be married anymore, traumatic as that was. And, you know, I learned, for example, and through counseling and writing and talking about it myself, I learned that I wasn't fighting the divorce. I, I was I was fighting not to, I, I didn't, I was worried about being divorced. But when I went to counseling, I wasn't fighting to stay married, I was fighting not to be divorced. It's It's kind of the it's it's the same thing and yet completely different. Right. So um, once you learn that about each other and you kind of can admit a few vulnerabilities and recognize that each of you being happy in your next life is better for everybody, you know, that's always been a negotiating tactic with my ex-wife. Yeah. Look, if you do this, this is how this benefits, of, you know, benefits us both. Happy wife, happy life, sure. Happy ex-wife, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I can agree with that. <laughs> now, during, um, at least for me, when the decision was made to get a divorce. Now, and you say that passively, of- Flora. Flora. First of all, I know, Flora, you have the floor. <laughs> and I've always wanted to say that, by the way. <laughs> um, and as someone who needs to rebuild the floor beneath the floor of the floor of your children, mm-hmm. you have the floor. But... When you say the decision was made, I think words matter. I think phraseology matters. So when you phrase it in that passive way, what does that mean? Well, it, it wasn't an easy decision, that's for sure. Um, but there was a lot of, of, of course, leading up to it, many disagreements, lots of fighting back and forth um, at times, you know, where where things got, there was some, you know, some tension there where it was, it just wasn't, it got to a point where there was no respect almost for each other. And it was, it just wasn't an environment that I was comfortable with and even more not comfortable for my daughter to be around with. So, and I was the one who actually made the decision to where I was like, I I can't do this anymore. I, I need to be happy my daughter needs to be happy. She doesn't need to be around things like this. If we can't work it out, then we're going to have to just kind of go our separate ways and do what we need to do as parents. And I feel like that's where the focus needs to change. So 
when I decided to do that and brought that conversation up, of course, it was an easy conversation. Um, in fact, it wasn't just a conversation. It was a few conversations and days have gone by and it was just, um, just to have that, I think was painful. Um, we also did counseling as well. And immediately during uh, the beginning of the counseling, the counselor just like, look, we need to stop focusing on you guys because it's, it's not there. I can see it. What we need to do is focus on you guys as parents and how you guys are going to co- coexist and co-parent, you know, for your child. Um, so after the divorce and all that was done and we separated, um, my daughter was three at the time. And I think what I needed to do, um, as I feel like we all should, is just have that conversation with our children. Um, now, being that she was three, it was hard to have a conversation that she can understand. So what I've done that has helped is I've had several conversations early on as she got older, like different stages in her life, just so that she understands and just really know that, you know, mom and dad are still there. We love her very much. You know, there's just some things that happened where we couldn't be together, but you know, we're still here for her as parents and nothing will change as far as, you know, her, her parents, but she just has two homes, you know, and look at it that way. And she was very confused at first because she was trying to figure out why does she have two homes? Like, why can't we just go to the one home that we had before? But, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't the case until, and, and she's now eight. And I want to say up to maybe last year or, or a couple of years ago, she finally understands. She's like, Oh, I know you guys can't be together. You know, you guys always fight a lot or something like that. And, um, but you guys are happy now. Like she sees us, you know, how I am, how she is, how we've moved on and, and she was okay with it. Um, so how, how was that conversation? Like what, what, what type of conversation did you have to have with your children? You know, like Mike, like let's start with you. Like, what was that conversation? Like, what, how was it? You know, it was, we built it up to be far more difficult, um, than it actually was. Uh, because we were in a similar situation to yours. My oldest was five. My youngest was three. So we did have the the conversation immediately to say that we weren't going to be staying in the same house anymore. You know, they'd be able to come and stay with me and they'd stay with their mom and um, they would go back and forth. Um, You know, same thing. You'll have, you know, your own room at dad's house you'll have your own room at mom's house everything but the 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 conversations were um not until later on when they actually started to hit home for my girls um you know they're now 19 and 21 so uh, they fully understand obviously now um and and really you know they don't have a recollection of of their mom and I even ever being together they're only uh, memories are of us separate. So we did build up and build up and build up to, to where we said, we're going to sit down, we're going to talk to them. It was, you know, right before we were actually both separating from the house and, um, you know, it was, uh, telling them that they were going to have this new situation. Um, it didn't sink in. So the conversations took place later on. You know, why do we have to come to dad's? Why why can't we stay at mom's? You know, back uh, those kinds of things. And um, you know, you really have to just 
to put the best, the most positive spin on it with them uh, when they are that young, and then have those more difficult conversations down the road with um, explaining, you know, why this had to happen. You don't have to necessarily go into the details about the relationship between mom and dad, uh, unless it's, you know, not going to be painful. Uh, you know, my, my, my ex-wife and I, um, we just did not get along. We were not compatible. And we realized probably pretty early on, but we just did everything we could to try to stick it out and make it work. We did try the counseling. And again, very similar to your situation, Floor, early on within the first few meetings with a with a therapist, it was it was obvious that it was not going to really be something that was going to be repairable. That uh, you know, it's probably best for for everybody involved, especially for the kids, because the last thing you want to do is you want to have them see a situation where maybe there's a lack of respect or at least a lack of loving each other as a, a, a unit, so that they don't grow up seeing that, and um, rather than just stick together to to try to make it work for all of those reasons, move on and everybody can work on having their own uh, relationships together, if that, separately together. Right. <laughs> yeah, Doug, how, was, how, how did your, your children react, you know, back then when they first heard the news um, and how old were they? Well, that's, that's the point that, that, that you talk about, um, you know, looking back. Uh, for the most part, I don't look back at all just because I was thinking about this because we separated in 2006, and that's, so that's 14 years. Mm-hmm. And I think, isn't it something along the lines that every cell in your body, by the time seven years rolls around, every single cell in your body has regenerated? <laughs> so essentially, I'm, I'm two whole people removed from that person. <laughs> separated in 2006 but the one thing i'll never forget is the look on my son's my five-year-old son's face when i told him i was moving out because i saw this angelic little face just kind of contort into this rictus of incredulity and despair wow and all that is it's tattooed in my brain forever um <laughs> obviously he's a you know he's an adult now he's he's going to vote in in november and we've chatted about that since in fact uh he has read a lot of the writing I did at about that time. One of the great things about having a blog is you kind of have this record of yeah. where your mind was when that happened. And he got to read that firsthand and that helped him understand things. And I think that helped us all push forward as well. But uh, yeah, my sons were five and two uh, and my older son, he was five. But he was actually about 38. Um, he's, a, he already tells me now his dorm mates say he's got kind of this dad energy, which I'm not sure what to make of. I'm not sure that's the best <laughs> thing to have as a college kid. Um, but, uh, you know, he, so he understood it and asked a ton of questions and was, you know, there was a lot of despair, a lot of crying. And, um, and fortunately my younger son was just too, he really has no memory of the two of us being together. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
Uh, but yeah, that, that reaction shot of him uh, hearing the news that I was leaving. And that, that's really, that was kind of what motivated me as if I needed the extra motivation <laughs> to recognize, you know, the, the, the line is, look, I'm moving out, but I'm not going anywhere. And, you know, that's why, you know, my, I always tell people who ask, and again, what I wanted to mention this as well. I'm really happy to be a part of this um, discussion because once you go through this, uh, every I got a lot of help from people who'd been through it when I was in the weeds. And there's a real, uh, you can tell me if you can corroborate this, but there's a real feeling, a real desire to pay it forward once you're out mm-hmm. to yeah. help people to say, like, it does get better. You can get through this. Oh, yeah. Uh, persevere. And... Um, one of the things that we uh, we talked a lot about was um, whenever I leave them, whenever I left them, I would say I'm going to be back at this moment. The end, you know. Mm-hmm. And so basically, when the idea of rebuilding their lives means telling them what's going to happen and then moving heaven and earth to make sure it happens. So yeah. that they trust you again. And they know that if daddy's going to be home at 5.30 to take us somewhere, that's where I am. Uh, and so that that was an early, even now, the kids are teenagers. And I'm like, if I don't see them, if they're going to stay at mom's or go off anywhere, I will say as a, a reaction, I'll say, well, I will see you Tuesday at 3.30. And that kind of gives us a you know a point in the horizon to aim for. Yeah, that's an excellent point. I mean, I think just making that presence known and, and where they trust it, I think is 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 huge, especially in a co-parenting situation um, from from either parent. Um, going through through the whole journey of co-parenting, um, one thing that I struggled with is is I think fairness, um, you know, from from either part, and and it was really hard. I tried my best to make things as fair as possible. And sometimes I didn't get that in return. And when things got better, unfortunately, I know everybody's situation may be different, but where things got better for me because of, of the lack of fairness. And, and there were some things that was, I was struggling with um, from her mom was where I, I needed to get legal help. Um, I seeked some, some legal help, got some attorneys involved and just, we tried through the divorce to be as mutual as possible and trying to make everything 50 50, but it was so vague and there was really nothing in place, uh, no system in place, no parenting plan in place. We just kind of left it amongst ourselves. Um, I learned that that was a big mistake and it was a struggle early co-parenting. And once I got legal assistance and they came in and just wrote down everything from picking her up to drop off to what school looks like, to what medical care, everything. I mean, they went through everything. Family holidays. Yeah. Holidays. Um, down to the time we drop off and pick up and it was a little bit difficult, but when that came into play, um, and it wasn't even finalized yet, that's when I started to see a little bit more of cooperation and a little bit more fairness and, it, it just got a little bit better for me. I, I, I didn't want to go that route, but knowing what I know now and the process I went through and how easy things are now for me co-parenting, I wish I would have gone that route early on because it's, it's, it's helped me. And, and actually, um, I mean, knock on wood, it's, it's, not a, it, it's not a fake because of the whole legal action, but things have been better. And, and it seems like there's more of a, 
a team environment, like that effort in, in becoming a team as parents for my daughter. And I feel like that was my, my switch to like, oh, finally, like it, things are, are starting to be a little bit brighter on my side. Um, is there like, Doug, what was that? What was that switch that, that made it be like, all right, we're, we're a team. You know, I, I know you guys kind of went in on the blog. I mean, would you say that kind of helped that team effort into just knowing like, okay, Hey, the past is the past. We got to, we still got to stick together and, and make this happen. Um, well, I think part of this, the timing was, was uh, fortunate just because the kids were young and malleable. I mean, when you're talking about kindergarten, first, second grade, mm-hmm. um, I mean, obviously I would, I would, I, I'm glad I don't know this. I know there are friends who have split up, um, you know, with them when their kids are teenagers and there's a mm-hmm. lot more uh, to yeah. navigate there. So, but the teamwork of just advocating for kids in general through, that, that helped a lot through middle school in particular. I mean, um, even when we left New York and we moved here together, um, you know, we were living in Manhattan and we said, we can't, this isn't something we can, we don't want to have two, two households in Manhattan. I mean, that's just, it's, it doesn't seem like a tenable thing to do. Let's move someplace where we can have houses that the kids can be more autonomous between. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and so I think that, that decision to do that was a, definite you know we we kept their our eyes on the mutual prize because it was better for the kids um i think also it helped early on we uh, we mediated our divorce and we found someone again feeling very fortunate but we found someone who was both uh, a jd and an msw and so we'd go in there once to talk about you know legal stuff but it, but every time when there was ever a log jam, she would go into MSW mode and say, what's the emotional situation here? What are you clinging to? Let's understand and acknowledge why you're digging your feet in here when you might not necessarily need to. So she was a wonderful, dispassionate, um, one of the, one of the attorneys who, you know, essentially turned down more work because if you have the wrong attorney, they might just, you know, rile you up because they know it's more billable hours for them. Yeah. And be mindful of that and recognize, you know, it's obviously, obviously it helps to look, you know, ask around and find somebody that you work with. But I am forever in my debt to June Jacobson, who is in Manhattan still. She has an office on Fifth Avenue. And if you need her help, if you can get in to see her, you will be uh, rewarded. It was a great, was an experience that really helped us launch the next, um, aspect because we had a divorce agreement again with the goal of never referring to it you know the goal is to put up get a divorce agreement and put it in a drawer and forget about it and for the most part we have nice and mike how how's the uh the 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 team going on uh, is it still being worked on is it good now what kind of steps did you take to get there well, you know, I think we definitely struggled for many 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 years of almost not being a team and and a lot of headbutting. Um, so it, it got to a certain point where I don't think we into, it, it, it ever actually had a conversation together about, you know, putting all of those things aside and having to work as a team. But um, I think we were just, I, I, I guess, the luck of circumstances our kids got older so certain things that 
were struggles for us uh, started to drop off the plate and things started to sort of get more, it get simpler for us as um, we, we had, you know, kept moving forward. So um, we, we never actually, like I said, we really never actually had the conversation and said, look, we need to work on this together. We have to be a team, but individually, and my kids actually have even noticed it, that both of us seem to have far less stress and anxiety and tension when we do have to deal with each other or when even the subject of the other one comes up. And, um, you know, we both just hit, I think, uh, a point where we, again, as I said earlier, took the emotion out of it, said, you know, these are our kids, but they're also my, my kids, other parent, you know, this, these, this is my, my kid's mom and they love her and that's not going to change. Obviously I can't, I don't want to change anything like that. They, I'm glad that they have a good relationship with her and I need to respect her uh, for that fact, almost that fact alone. I need to have the respect for her so that they see how I can deal with her and that there are ways to deal with your difficult situations. So, um, yeah, I, like I said, I never, I don't think we ever actually came together, had a discussion, had an agreement. We just both realized that this was the way that it was going to have to be. And, uh, you know, we were also lucky. We went through the whole mediation part of it as well from the very beginning. And, that surprisingly was one of the things that was not a, a struggle and an argument in our relationship was we were able to agree to almost everything and went to our final court date and everything was set and we were done. And uh, like I said, since then, as my girls are older, certain things drop off, things get a little bit easier, you know, and, and yes, Part of the reason why we get along a little bit better is because we do have to deal with each other a little bit less now than we did at the beginning. But, uh, you know, again, taking the emotion out, making sure that you are just uh, concentrating on the co-parenting for your kids. Yeah, I think that's excellent. And, and, uh, and I agree with you. Uh, once, once my daughter gets older, I know I will um, get to that point as well. But ultimately, it's something that I really wish to uh, be a good team. Um, because whether it's now or when my daughter's 21 or 25, she's still her mother. And she's still going to be around. She's a part of my life forever because of it. So whether it's now or later, I, I just hope that we can exist in the same room without a problem that's that's the hope um right now it's a little bit difficult to do that you know without trying not to to look over at her or her at me or whatever so um yeah well one can hope <laughs> oh flora what's the situation when you have school events for your daughter can you two sit together um so far we have not um she finds one place to sit I find another place to sit and that's just, um, that's just how it's been for now. Um, 
but there is certain situations where depending on the events, if it's something where she's getting an award or something uh, congratulatory, um, you know, something that we both attend, if it's something small, like a little Valentine's dance, um, the parent who has her that week is the one who is able to attend. Um, and that's, that's kind of how it is right now. Um, but even that, well, I wish for you the opportunity to, I, I, I will say I've been, you know, when we moved here and we went to the, you know, we'd go to these award nights or concerts or parent teacher stuff. And we always sat together mm-hmm. and boy, it freaked everybody else out. The other <laughs> couple were like, why, you know, they're split up and we got, we were laughing. I mean, again, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to, every situation's different, but right. if you're able to do that, I, I hope you get the point where you can, you can sit with her and freak other people out because mm-hmm. it's funny. <laughs> well, I, I'm sure it is. And I think uh, like a bigger thing of that too is, is having our daughter just see us like yeah. we can and each other. We're friends. Everything's okay. And I think more importantly, I, when we split up, that was a relationship I was hoping to have. But because it had just happened, I was asking too much, I guess, at that point. And there was a lot of like anger in there and, and resentment. I mean, I, it was hard to have a, a simple conversation with her without her just getting mad at me for no reason. It's like, okay, why are you just mad? Like, why can't we just talk? So that's it's gotten better um but it's not completely out of it yet sometimes there is still those type of conversations even now and it's been you know four or five years uh compared to you guys it's i it's just like yesterday it just happened um but how old is your daughter now she's eight right so that's a i mean it's a tough time but it's still a very formative time i mean and i think given the timeline when it's time when she stops listening to what you say and spends more time modeling what you do. Yeah. Uh, you know, if she, when she gets in her teens with luck, um, you and your ex will be on better terms and she'll be able to see that and kind of, you know, when she's around the both of you, like I know there are plenty of kids who are, who, you know, uh, dread the day when they have to have both their parents there. Um, <laughs> when I was teaching, I had a lot of students and I was a, I was a, a, a student advisor and I, then my students' parents were divorced and they couldn't be in the same room. Mm-hmm. We had to set up like, you know, separate parent teacher conferences for them. Oh, wow. And that just, that weighed on the kids, you know, and the kids and I would talk about it and he would be like, Oh my God, my parents have to come and I have to, and, and it's the, the burden falls on them to kind of feel as though they have to be the, the cartilage in the kneecap, you know? Okay. And uh, something tells me, you know, when the time comes, when it's high school and it's, mm-hmm. and, and your, uh, your daughter starts feeling, taking on, you know, subliminally or otherwise, subconsciously taking on more emotional responsibility, you're going to find mm-hmm. a way to be more um, amicable with each other and kind of take that pressure off your shoulders. Yeah, definitely. I, I know that when that time comes, it'll be, you know, of course, sooner, sooner than later, but, you know, I, I, don't want to push it uh, too much, but I try to have the conversation with her and letting her know that like, listen, like being that way or us being that way, is not going to help the situation. And, and she sees that sometimes, or she hears that sometimes. And it's just not, it's, it's not repairing the relationship that we're trying to have as co-parents. Um, and sometimes she sees it and sometimes she doesn't. And, but you know, I'm, I'm still, I'm still trying for the sake of my daughter. Um, I think that's, that's, the number one priority in the situation and just us as parents. So I think that I'm going to keep pushing for that because I truly believe in that co-parenting is possible. It's, it's possible in any situation or for most situations. I know there's some that's 
some unfortunate situations out there where it, it makes it extremely difficult. But I think if, if both parents are, are present and involved, then that should be enough to have a successful co-parenting relationship. Um, now, starting out co-parenting, like you said, Doug, I mean, just trying to get that information. When I, was, when I first started, I, I didn't know where to look, where to look, how to start, how is it going to look. I've heard stories, horror stories of very bad co-parenting where it's, it was just something I wish not happened to, to my situation. But um, I think having these conversations now with us, others who are starting out will get great benefit out of it and, and can see that this is possible. And, and one tip I would like to like share out there really is just, um, and I think you said it, both of you said it earlier, of just kind of letting go of the past and just moving forward. But I think just making your kids a priority. I mean, like I said, it, it, once that, once the child or the children is the focus and how to parent for this child, it, it, nothing else really matters. It's just that moment right there with the child and making sure that he or she or they have exactly what they need from both of you. Um, what tips for those, for those, you know, dads going into a co-parenting journey or even moms, you know, like starting out, like what tip would you give them, uh, Doug? Uh, a tip in terms of seeking out the right information or, uh, or just, um, like going into co-parenting, like what is something to, to just remember, like what is something that should be done and, you know, something to know that would help them to be successful in co-parenting? Um, well, I think one thing is to recognize you can only control the way you behave. Mm -hmm. um, there's a real desire to kind of coerce the other parent into th seeing things your way. And I think, you know, divorcing yourself from a little bit of the ego is a help mm -hmm. with that. I think... Um, yeah recognizing that. And I always thought that, you know, the, the, all I can control is being the best parent I can be being the most, you know, and, and even sometimes when I would do my ex a favor, that was a totally selfish move. I, I, I acknowledge that I did favors for my ex because they made me feel good. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and maybe modeling behavior. I have two sons and I'm very conscious of how I behave because I know my sons now are old enough to learn more from watching me than listening to me. Um, so I think that's one big step is to just acknowledge this new reality, recognize that you're in this, your, your own health is very important, your own self-care, your own um, peace of mind, um, your rights, you have rights. I mean, that was an issue too. I had no idea. I had no experience with divorce back in 2006 yeah. and I assumed the worst. And the more knowledge you have like anything you know the less knowledgeable you have the less knowledge you have the more fearful you are and mm -hmm. fear comes from ignorance or from or or thinking you know less than you should so the more information you find and the fact that the internet is such a robust source of information oh yeah good and bad but at least you have enough opportunities to filter that onslaught mm -hmm. Find the best resources, especially whatever state you're in, because every state's different in terms of, yeah. um, you know, what rules apply and what's what qualifies as grounds for divorce. Mm -hmm. Who, you know, is is uh, is a lawsuit necessary? Is uh, a separation um, necessary? Um, you know, I know in uh, the way we worked it out was 
in New York City, in New York State, it is grounds for divorce to withhold sex for more than a year. And so we just didn't have sex for a year and then recognized that would be, so she said, all right, um, uh, you, you sue me for, yeah, you sue, I'll, you, I'll sue you and I won't contest it. You know, so we we found out, we read the rules of the game. We read the, the inside of the top of the box of the game board and found out the most, you know, so we didn't have to prolong it, you know, because otherwise you have to have like a year or so of, of, uh, you know, you have to separate and then have the year and then let that year be the grounds. But anyway, once you become more well-versed in all that's going on, the more knowledge you'll have and the more secure you'll feel that when you come out of this, your needs will be met. Definitely. Uh, knowledge is power, that's for sure. Um, so, Mike, well, well, what, is, what is your tip on, on just co-parenting for those newbies? Uh, you know, Doug stole a lot of my uh, yeah. <laughs> grandpa. <laughs> he, he did hit all those points. He did uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think uh, one of my biggest things is I wish I had recognized much earlier on that um, I, and again, Doug's point, that I can't control the other person, but I absolutely can control what I can control, and that's me. And that's my re- my reaction to things. That's my uh, my approach to things, and that's my attitude towards things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I I wish I had realized that much earlier on. I think it would have made uh, me a happier person, and I think it would have made our situation uh, much much uh, more pleasant to deal with. Um, I wish we had had these these types of forums back uh, 16 years ago uh, mm-hmm. for for support because even if um, you don't listen to the things everything that we are saying at least there could be something that would be just a little piece of of information advice one little tip that you can take away from this I think making sure you take care of yourself therapy counselor um whether it's a professional or it's a it's a it's somebody that you know that has gone through it themselves and you don't have to have a blog but keep a journal write down what you're feeling before and after you have to deal with your ex so that you can recognize what might be some of the trigger points, what might be some of the things that set you both off and learn from that for yourself, not to teach your ex how to deal with things, but you can recognize what you need to change or work on or how to approach something a little bit different so that the next time maybe you don't have the same possible blow up or potential issue. So I think, like I said, those are, those are my kind of key points from this whole uh, hour that we've had together. Yeah. And I, I agree with both of you. I mean, just, um, I, I like, like self-care is, is so important. Um, and I was one who just always did for others, um, including my ex-wife at times and it drove people crazy. Um, but I've recognized now, um, after some time where I, I need to do for myself too. So I think, um, that self-care, taking care of yourself, you know, with 
you know, doing things for yourself sometimes and, and not always trying to please, uh, please others, especially when you don't get it in return all the time. But I think in doing that, you kind of start to gain the respect from them as well in doing so. And, and then you start to get that. So, which is nice because it kind of, it strengthens the relationship, um, in, in that co-parenting journey. So, man, thank you all so much. I mean, I think co-parenting is not easy. I mean, it's, it's clear. It's not easy at first. It's a lot of work. It's, um, it's, it's teamwork. It's teamwork that has to take place and both uh, sides have to realize it. And I believe that it's, is very possible. I mean, you guys, you guys uh, are, are living testaments to it where it's, <clears throat> it, it took some time. There was some battles here and there, but it is possible not just for yourselves, but for the children. And it's, it, it's needed. And a lot of people just need to put a lot of things aside, put it behind them so they can focus on what's, what's important. Um, and it's, and it's the children and, and for their, for their sake and, and health wise mentally. And it's, it's just something that's just going to blossom from there. It, it won't be easy, but you know, it's work. So thank you guys so much. It was, it was awesome talking to you guys and being a part of this conversation. Co-parenting is something I have a passion for and I always look forward to talking with others. And like you said, Doug, just pay it forward uh, to others. Well, gentlemen, I, this has been an amazing conversation. As someone that has not gone through what you've gone through, I mean, I was listening intently and just, you know, learning from each of your experiences. I mean, I know I've, I've personally talked to all of you about your experiences in the past, and, and, but it's always interesting to be able to learn more. And, and I think, and I appreciate you being vulnerable, being willing to share. And, and I love, Doug, what you said about, you know, for people that have gone through it, I think that everything that you said and at, that all three of you have said will help others. Um, so I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being willing to be a part of this, for, for sharing your stories. Um, and for all of you that are watching, know that, that we are going to continue this. We have a number of other panels that are coming up this fall uh, that are going to be to help dads through these experiences, uh, through legal and custody uh, challenges that they might run up against. Um, so if you are... Uh, if you are already a part of our legal and custody issues group, please um, keep an eye out. We'll be having more information. We'll, we'll put it onto our Fathering Together Facebook page as well. If you have not joined our, our legal and custody issues group, definitely come over. It's a safe space to be able to learn and grow from others and to connect with others that are going through similar situations. Now, if you are interested in supporting Fathering Together, go over to our website, fatheringtogether.org. If you want to go deeper in learning about being the best dad that you can be, check out our Fatherhood Insider on the website as well to take that next step. And as an organization, we're always looking for people to be able to be content creators, to be contributors, storytellers like the guys that you saw tonight. And if you're interested in getting involved in some way but don't know how yet, send us an email fatheringtogether at gmail.com. Now, I mentioned that this fall, we're going to be having some other webinars coming up. Um, our next ones for our legal and custody issues group is actually coming up on October 6th. And that is going to be talking about the effects of divorce on children and how to cope with that. And you're going to see some familiar faces. Uh, Floor and Mike are going to be back with some other people as well. And, um, and then after that, October 21st, we're going to be talking about child support 
And then on November 4th, we're going to be talking about how to stay connected to your kids at a distance. So all really important topics, things that we're going to be really delving deeper on to try to help all of you. The final thing I just want to throw out there is if you look in our groups today, even on our Facebook page here on Fathering Together, you're going to see that we have something called Dad Chats coming up. And Dad Chats are an opportunity for you to be able to connect with other dads, dads that are going through similar situations as you are. And we're encouraging all dads to take the time to be able to connect with other dads because, you know, take an hour out of your week to be able to connect, talk, and and really share the experiences that you have because it from the experiences of others and from sharing your stories with others, others can learn from you and you can learn from others. So we encourage all of you for taking that next step. Gentlemen, thank you again so much for being a part of this. Um, it's been a pleasure having you on tonight and I wish you all the best. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat. And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen, carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be